What is the price of being famous? And is it a sin to want to be famous? Let's talk about that today. Also, I'm going to tell you a lot about our new house speaker, Mike Johnson. I think you're going to like him. We'll talk about the latest from Israel, including a very telling interview with the founder of Hamas, his son. And Disney has postponed the release of their live-action Snow White remake, uh, starring Rachel Zegler and Gal Gadot. Uh, why did that happen? Well, it's, it's for the reason you'd suspect. Uh, but we've got a lot to talk about. Let's get to it. I'm Blake Watson, and this is We the Free. Getting quality, good-priced meat products is proving to be increasingly difficult these days. With Bidenflation, the prices of everything in, in the store is just going through the roof. Uh, when you make fuel more expensive, that costs the farmer more, it costs the shipper more, it costs the grocer more, and it ultimately costs you more. That's why you need to check out Good Ranchers. They'll ship directly to your house their 100% American beef, chicken, seafood, and pork all sourced from independent farms in the United States. Check the link in my show notes and use the code RANCHER1010 for 10% off their best-selling Rancher's Classic Box. It has officially been one year since I announced this show. Um, on the day of the midterms in 2022, I announced that I would be starting my own podcast. Here's how that announcement went. Are you looking for alternative news sources? 83% of you said yes to that question because 94% of you said the news doesn't report the facts. They just spout off opinions all day. The news, local and national, has become like the tabloid aisle. You need to be informed on the stuff that is important to you. And we all need the Christian perspective on all things culture. How else are we to be the salt and light of the earth? So let's unite around our nation's founding principles and let's talk about the freedom that we have in Christ. All this and more on a brand new show coming this spring to a podcast near you. Join us on We the Free. So the premiere of the show was delayed to the end of summer, actually, because I started fundraising in the springtime. Several of you helped us get to that fundraising goal, and then the show officially launched in August, and now we're on our 13th episode. I just want to say thank you to you all again for coming along for the ride. Thank you for your support, and thank you for watching and listening. I've got a lot of good stuff. Uh, and announcements and, and cool stuff just, just over the horizon. So I want to ask that you pray for me and this new ministry of truth, literally. And more importantly, um, keep sharing this program. Invite others to listen along with you. Make sure that you've checked that subscribe, you've clicked that subscribe button. Now, let's get to the episode. It's not good for man to be alone for too long, but it's also not good for man to be known by or friends to too many people. After God created Adam, he said this in Genesis 2.18, It is not good for the man to be alone. 
But then King Solomon said in Proverbs 18.24, a man of too many friends comes to ruin. Now, I'm a millennial. I was a child in the 90s, and I was around for the creation of the internet and the World Wide Web and the creation of social media. So as I was growing up, the technological advances changed the perspectives of an entire generation. Influence, as a verb, means to affect or alter, or to have an effect on the condition or development of fill-in-the-blank. And I believe that there is within each person an innate desire for influence with every person carrying just varying degrees of that desire. For example, a mother and a father, they, they, have, they want to fulfill their desire for influence in the lives of their children. A teacher, for example, wants to influence her students to learn and, and to mature. A pastor wants to influence his flock. A coach wants to influence his team. But this positive, innate desire is often corrupted into something else, as is the case with pretty much anything good that God creates. And, but this is especially the case with recent generations. This God-given desire to inspire and to influence is often corrupted into the desire for fame, which is not always attached to the desire for fortune. But fame is the desire for influence corrupted because it's turning a positive desire inward. Whereas positive influence is synonymous with service and servanthood and volunteering, it is corrupted for self-service and selfishness in order to make much of oneself. John Piper was once asked if it was a sin to desire to be famous. He said, yes, it is, though it may not be a sin to desire to be influential. And the problem arises when the pleasure sought in being made much of is greater than the pleasure sought in being of service. Now, of course, influence is misused for other reasons as well, but my point is focused on this desire for fame. It's turning a positive thing into a negative righteous influence into making much of oneself. However, there are many cases where a person has no desire at all to be famous, yet that's where they find themselves. We'll talk about that in a moment. But when you consider any person who has ever been famous, whether we're considering things secularly or religiously, it almost always, almost always has a negative effect on the person. Almost always. To be famous a century ago was a much harder task, and it was easier to handle, really. But in this generation, it's easier to become famous and impossible to handle. Take a popular actor, for example, who just passed away this week, Matthew Perry. While an autopsy has yet to be revealed, it's going to take a while, it seems clear to me, given his cryptic social media posts and his history with substance abuse, that his death was likely suicidal. And, and I don't want to imply uh, any relapse of, of bad habits of his yet, 
but the comedic Friends actor was found dead in his hot tub. Now, most journalists and the Perry fan club are hoping for and, and sticking to natural causes for now, citing heart problems or even a heat stroke. But again, just take a look at his last few social media posts and even these these so-called natural causes would likely be a consequence of his past decisions. Perry was one of the most popular, highest paid television actors of all time, but especially in the 90s when Friends was airing. In total, earning him almost $100 million just over the course of those 10 seasons. In fact, in the final season, he was making over $700,000 an episode. And that's not counting what he would continue to earn from reruns and streaming deals for the last two decades. He was born in 1969 and was acting on television by the age of 10. That's important. By the age of 10. Perry appeared over the course of his life and his career on over 40 television shows. 40 being uh, nominated for 24 awards. He was also in several films, and he, he won three of them, the most significant being a SAG award for the show Friends. And though he was born in Massachusetts, his parents divorced when he was just a baby, and his mother remarried and raised him in Ottawa, Canada. Now, listen to this part of his story. Remember, he started television acting when he was a boy. Entertainment Weekly reported that Perry developed a dependence on drinking as early as 14 and admitted, by the time I was 18, I was drinking every day. So he started drinking when he was 14, and he says by the age of 18, he's drinking every single day. And, and it also says, yet he was desperate to make it in Hollywood. And this is what he prayed, God, you can do whatever you want to me. Just please make me famous. So after moving from Ottawa to Los Angeles at the age of 15, Perry had developed a drinking habit and he was begging God to make him famous. Now, the Entertainment Weekly article goes on to say, eventually he was taking as many as 55, 55 Vicodin pills a day. Perry estimated that he's been through detox 65 times and went to rehab at least 15 times. Perry told Vanity Fair, I've probably spent $9 million or something trying to get sober, and part of this exorbitant cost is due in part to his 14 stomach surgeries, according to People Magazine. Now, why do I bring up Matthew's story? Because it's the unfortunate poster child, and he's the unfortunate poster child for this problem. People long for fame and fortune because they think it will fulfill their desires, desires that they don't understand to be really a, a positive desire for influence. And they make it their life's work, their ambition, and, and their total ambition to achieve that fame and success and then only collide with full force into the wall of disappointment, only to discover the utter disparity that fame and fortune are unfulfilling. But once they've climbed and worked tirelessly and, and have uh, 
some have you know slept around they've committed nasty deeds they've they've cut throats and cheated to get ahead just all in order to to reach that place at at the top and I'm not saying that Matthew did any of that but they're then stranded at the top of the totem pole with virtually no way to get back down and in this age everybody can see you everybody can see you we live in the age of information a, cele- a celebrity cannot just cannot just be a celebrity on the silver screen or the TV screen. No, their their very lives are a part of their performance. Where do they eat? Who are they dating? How how much weight have they gained or lost? Who are they friends with? Did you see what they did? Look at how bad she looks. Did you see what she posted? What happened to him? And the fame becomes a monster who stalks your every move And, and no one, nobody, can handle it. No one, not one single person can handle it. Matthew's case was extraordinary because he started drinking as a child and his mother, in my opinion, seemingly shoved him into show business, but I'm only theorizing. But every one of these people rise to this level of fame and fortune and come to the same unfulfilling realization and they have to fill the void, the emptiness, with something just as Matthew did. I know we're talking about an actor, but everyone else who broke their backs to become a CEO or a member of Congress or a president all ultimately faced the same exact thing. But their daily lives aren't as scrutinized and popularized as as these Hollywood types, so they all turn to something to deal with their emptiness. Alcohol, drugs, and sex work for a moment, Working is a distraction for a moment. Partying and leisure is a distraction for a moment, but none of it, none of it is quenching the thirst they've had since the day they desired fame and fortune. How many pastors and church leaders have we seen completely blow up their church and their ministries for this very same reason? If anything, this lesson should be a deterrent to mega churches and satellite campuses and and global churches. Just consider Carl Lentz, a celebrity pastor for Hillsong who was friends with the likes of Justin Bieber and Kevin Durant, yet blew up his career by his marital infidelity and he was accused of sexual assault too. Johnny Hunt was accused of sexual assault. Brian Houston was apparently using pills and alcohol when he committed sexual misconduct. Perry Noble was removed by his church for his alcohol abuse, Matt Chandler was placed to the side for an inappropriate relationship. These are all church leaders with massive followings. They're famous. And ultimately, the pressure of popularity got to them. How many of them wanted the fame? It's impossible to know. Because not everybody who becomes famous desires that in the first place. There are are plenty of examples that I could probably give, but of course, our ultimate example in all things is Jesus, who did not come to us in order to be famously known and recognized, but that's what inevitably happened. Luke's gospel tells us that Jesus came for the purpose of seeking and saving that which was lost. He came for the express purpose of salvation. 
Philippians chapter 2 describes his humility, that he lowered himself to the bottom of the totem pole. It says Jesus emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant. And that word means a slave, a permanent slave. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. So Jesus was not making much of himself or seeking fame and and worldly success. He enslaved himself to the mission and will of the Father and died for you and me. But as Jesus conducted his short-lived earthly ministry, he healed people and he cast out demons and he performed many miracles, unbelievable things that inevitably resulted in fame and a, and a cult-like following. Everywhere he would go, people would show up to hear him teach and to see him work miracles. So how did Jesus handle fame as an inevitable consequence of carrying out his mission? Luke, tells, Luke also tells us that the news about him was spreading even further, and large crowds were gathering to hear him and to be healed of their sicknesses. A large crowd, many people. But Jesus himself would often slip away to the wilderness and pray. So what you can see from the writings of Luke and the Apostle Paul is the humanity of the Son of God. The pressure of fame and attention and popularity drove Jesus into the woods. He got away from everybody and everything because it was so very taxing to have the attention and and to do what he was doing. But he wasn't just going on a vacation or some leisurely camping trip. What was he doing? He was praying. Luke tells us the same thing in Luke 6.12. It was at this time that he went off to the mountain to pray, and he spent the whole night in prayer to God. He was escaping the limelight to spend time with the one who was truly fulfilling, God, his Father. All of this to say, Jesus didn't want to be famous. He just wanted to do the will of his Father in heaven. He wanted to make much of his Father not much of himself. He came to serve others, not to be served by others. He came to influence others toward repentance. But in doing God's will, he naturally became famous, and he dealt with the pressure of popularity by retreating into seclusion with the source of his life and strength in God. But that was 2,000 years ago, and this is 2023. Coincidentally, there's even a label for those who are widely followed on social media, influencers. These are people who are, according to the Urban Dictionary, prominent figures on a social media platform who generally exchange financial instruments or special benefits for endorsements. In other words, businesses look for people who have a gaggle of followers. Then they endorse them by either paying paying them or, or by giving them things to promote in their posts so that they can reach the millions of followers that person has because that person has influence in their lives. People are quitting their jobs, quitting their jobs to become influencers. They want to become famous. They they want to scratch this natural itch for influence by becoming these bought and paid for influencers. And I only describe these influencers because they're merely a symptom of this deeper issue. 
and that is this corrupted desire for fame and acclaim. All of this reminded me of this scene from the last season of The Office when Andy tells the owner of the company that he's finally quitting. I feel like it's a once in a lifetime opportunity to pursue my dream. Uh huh. But, but every minute that I spend here is time not spent making audition videos for reality, dating, cooking, or singing shows. I got a real shot here. And I'll never be able to forgive myself if I blew it because I was too focused on my stupid paper company job. No offense. So you think you've been too focused on your job? At my last headshot sitting, I was so distracted wondering what I was missing at work that I came across totally manic and I was going for zany. <laughs> so you, you want to quit Dunder Mifflin to pursue acting? Well, no, actually. I see no reason to limit myself to just acting. I am pursuing fame of any kind. Could be singing. Could be dancing. I don't, it just, I owe it to myself and my future fans. Um, well, I guess I can't stand in the way of a man's dream. Everyone, a little breaking news for you. Just had a little chat with David Wallace and um, I'm taking a leave of absence from Dunder Mifflin forever. Can't say we didn't see it coming, but it's a sad day when anybody is fired and we're so sorry, Andy. Uh, 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 Andy was not fired. I wasn't fired. What are you talking about? I'm fired up. Yes. <laughs> Guys, I'm, I'm leaving to pursue my lifelong dream of being famous. Oh, Andy. What this? Uh -oh. Yeah, so, I'll see you on the red carpet. Andy's from the generation that thinks they should all be famous. What happened to the generation that knew you shut up, did your work, and died quietly from a heart attack? I had to include that last clip of Stanley saying, Andy's from the generation that thinks they should all be famous. What happened to the generation that knew you, you shut up, you did your work, and died quietly from a heart attack. And, and that really is the, the, the perfect segue into this, this conclusion. Um, in 1 Thessalonians 4.11, Paul says that you should make it your ambition, make it your ambition to lead a quiet life and attend to your own business, your own business, and work with your hands. The NIV says you should mind your own business. A large portion of, of my generation and, and Gen Z and Generation Alpha makes it their ambition to lead a noisy life. They work and, and strive for attention and, and volume. But Paul says, don't do that. You need to work to have a quiet life. And the Greek word for quiet means to be silent. He says to Mind your business. <laughs> and, and the literal phrase says to attend to your own. That means you don't overly involve yourself, yourself in the lives of others, but it also means you, you don't publicize your entire life, like into the lives of others. And then he says to work with your hands. In my own words, this means get a job. Get a job. And of course, with the context, he, he probably means a job that doesn't involve amplifying yourself and inserting yourself into the lives of others. He's talking about work that you actually do with your hands. I mean, Jesus was a carpenter. 
Peter and James and John and Andrew were fishermen. Paul was a, a leather worker or a tent maker. People were not made to be famous, not even Jesus. And the evidence for such a claim is abounding and astounding. So to the people of my generation, the millennials and the younger generations, look at the impossible, impossible lifestyle of fame and success. And no, it's, it's nothing that it's cracked up to be. Nothing. In the best case scenario, you just barely survive it. In the worst case scenario, you kill yourself from it or it kills you. So make it your ambition to lead a quiet life. Mind your business and find a job to work with your hands. Channel your desire for influence into its proper place in humble service to others. Now let's get to the national news feed. When the liberals and their priests in the media are up in arms about something, it's usually a good sign in the real world. And for discernment, whatever doomsday rant they're having, the opposite is usually the truth. Uh, the liberals live in the upside down where every day is opposite day. So over the last week, there was one thing in particular that they were not happy about. So let's watch this clip from MSNBC to hear what is the opposite of the truth. Congressman. New Speaker Mike Johnson, your thoughts. Uh, well, you cannot get to the right of Mike Johnson in the MAGA caucus. Um, it's just, it's inconceivable that you could get to the right of him. Um, I mean, there are people who are definitely more lunatic than he is. Um, and he's got very good manners and he's an able lawyer. But um, when we say he opposed democracy, we know that from his giving a legal gloss and finish to all of Donald Trump's arguments about electoral fraud and making the independent state legislature doctrine argument, which um, the Supreme Court fortunately did not bite on. Um, but if he's not for democracy, what's he for? He's for theocracy. He wants a nationwide ban on abortion with no exceptions for uh, rape or incest. Uh, he voted against affirming women's right to travel across state lines for the purposes of obtaining health care. Um, he's also voted against reaffirming women's contraceptive rights. Um, he is uh, a real enemy of Social Security. From my perspective, he wanted to increase the age of uh, Social Security retirement to 70 years old. He's very much in the Steve Bannon mode of trying to dismantle the regulatory state, by which they mean democracy itself. And so um, he's a, a decent guy and he's a, a nice guy, but nobody should be fooled by it. Donald Trump cemented his hold over the Republican Party today, and he is in control of the House of Representatives right now. So just to recap, Mike Johnson, our 56th Speaker of the House of Representatives, is the most conservative Republican in the House. Raskin said he was a lunatic, so that means that he's probably one of the most sane members that we have. He said Johnson is against democracy. That means he's probably one of the only ones actually fighting for the power of the people. But Raskin evidenced 
this claim by referring to Mike Johnson's conclusions concerning election fraud in 2020, saying that election processes are subject uh, subject to state legislatures and nobody else. Now, I've talked about this before, but Article 1, Section 4 of the Constitution very clearly says, the times, places, and manner of holding elections for senators and representatives shall be prescribed in each state by the legislature thereof. That's it. But in the case of the 2020 election, several states and counties changed their election rules and the regulations exterior to the authority of the state legislatures, all under the guise of a public health crisis. This was an obvious illegality, and Mike Johnson agrees with me. Raskin, I guess, swears by the opinions of the Supreme Court as if they've never gotten anything wrong. But let's move on. Raskin said Johnson is for theocracy. We'll talk more about this in just a moment, but no, he's not for theocracy. A theocracy is what the Iranians have right now with the uh, Ali Khamenei. It's, it's literally the Islamic Republic because they believe this is Allah's chosen leader. The government or the regime in Tehran is the enforcer of Islamic law and not just in their country, which is why they're a state sponsor of terrorism and the catalyst for the war, which you see before you now. That's theocracy. Raskin says uh, Johnson wants a nationwide ban on abortion with no exceptions. And to that, we say, hallelujah, thank God. He's against the morning after pill, too. He's actually done something to address the festering economic problem of Social Security. He opposes the regulatory state because he believes in the limits of government. Then Raskin tries his best to tie Johnson to Trump because, you know, orange man bad. But the truth is, Johnson is more conservative than Donald Trump. Now, it has to be said, uh, for any of the the liberals watching, genuine Christians, of which I believe Mike Johnson is, is one, are politically conservative. Being Christian doesn't mean you're Republican because... I, as a Christian, vehemently disagree with many of the things Republicans stand for. A perfect example is that Trump, he's an obvious Republican, and he did install the justices who ultimately overturned Roe v. Wade, but Trump wants these Republicans to drop the issue of abortion altogether. However, Christians like Mike Johnson and myself, we don't want to stop until until abortion is a crime. Why? Because for Trump, abortion is just a political issue. For the real Christians, abortion is a matter of life and death. We want to stop the slaughter and the murder of innocent babies in the womb. Mike Johnson is for that because he is a Christian. Trump is playing neutral because he's a politician running for office. What else do we as genuine Christians believe in conserving and protecting? The nuclear family, dad, mom, and kids. Marriage as a divine institution, husband and wife. A just society where good is rewarded and evil is punished. An equal society, not a society of equity, because skin pigmentation, gender, and age are insignificant to your personhood. 
We believe in a government of the proper size and authority. And all of these are how you preserve a free and just nation. Now, later in this interview, Chris Hayes brings up some facts about Speaker Johnson's stance on sodomy laws and the abortion ban. He, he comes from the religious right part of the party. He worked for ADF, which is a sort of, you know, right-wing legal org that's brought a whole bunch of suits. When uh, a Louisiana newspaper, he wrote an op-ed in 2003 decrying the Supreme Court uh, striking down sodomy laws, saying that prescriptions against sodomy have deep roots in religion, politics, and law. When Louisiana instituted its, its abortion ban in June 2022, breaking late yesterday, the Department of Health informed abortion facilities in our state the right to life has now been restored. Perform an abortion, get imprisoned at hard labor for one to 10 years, and find 10K to 100 In other words, Mike Johnson is the true conservative speaker we've been hoping for for a long time. Now, we'll look at one more liberal news outlet to learn a little more about Speaker Johnson. Here's what Christianity Today had to say about him. After weeks of turmoil, House Republicans elected Representative Mike Johnson on Wednesday as the new Speaker of the House, an act the Louisiana congressman suggested was ordained by God. Now, as is usually the case with liberal so-called Christians, um, the writers and, and the editors over at Christianity Today are completely illiterate and averse to what the Bible actually says, so allow me to enlighten you. Paul says in Romans 13:1, there is no authority except from God, and those which exist are established by God. That's what Mike Johnson means. He's not saying, here I am, everyone, God's chosen leader, make way. He's recognizing that God, as the ultimate authority, has granted him this higher position of authority here in America. The article goes on. Johnson, an evangelical Christian, peppered his remarks with religious references. Yes, this is what real Christians do. Real Christians aren't ashamed of their faith, and they openly talk about it and infuse it into every facet of their lives. And that's because real Christians surrender absolutely everything to the Lordship of Christ their whole selves, meaning their minds, their hearts, and their bodies, their possessions, their money, their family, their time, and their careers. Everything belongs to the Lord. We continue. He recounted the history of how the motto, In God We Trust, was placed in the House chamber, a rebuke of communism, which many associated with atheism, and highlighted the Declaration of Independence's use of Creator, quote, creator. He also noted the presence of Moses on the wall of the house chamber. Yes, it's, it's about time someone acknowledged our foundation, our Judeo-Christian beliefs. In a later speech on the Capitol steps, Johnson framed his leadership goals by citing Romans 5, 3 through 4. I was reminded of the scripture that says, suffering produces perseverance, perseverance produces character, and character produces Hope, he said. What we need in this country is more hope. Now, when the Apostle Paul talks about hope in Romans 5, he's talking about the hope and expectation and the confidence that we have in Christ Jesus. He's not talking about everybody being happy and singing kumbaya. Now, I know that you all know this, but I've got to explain this for the liberals. Johnson is talking about 
the tribulations that Christians and conservatives have faced over the last decade, producing in us a stronger people who inevitably become uh, Christians and, and generally a people of better character. Better Christians and generally people of better character. And when he said the country needs more hope, he means the hope of Christ. They go on. Johnson has been, been tied to multiple Baptist churches over the years and currently attends Cypress Baptist Church in Benton, Louisiana. Uh, he's also a former lawyer and communications staffer with the Alliance Defense Fund, which later became known as Alliance Defending Freedom, a conservative Christian legal firm. According to CNN, Johnson penned a number of editorials while working at ADF, including ones in which he decried homosexuality as an inherently unnatural and dangerous lifestyle that could lead to the collapse of the entire democratic system. Well, you can see how they're trying to spin this, but is he right? Was he, was he right? This is referring to the, the 2003 Supreme Court case, uh, Lawrence v. Texas, in which the court ruled that criminal punishments for consensual adult non-procreative sexual activity are unconstitutional. So Mike Johnson said these things are inherently unnatural and a dangerous lifestyle that could lead to the collapse of the entire democratic system. And here we are 20 years later, and what was criminal is now being endorsed by the church and it was the slippery slope that beget the, the sexual insanity that you now see. Among other things, Speaker Johnson has repeatedly rejected many broadly held interpretations of the separation of church and state. Here's what he said on that subject. The founders wanted to protect the church from an encroaching state, not the other way around. A free society and a healthy republic depend upon religious and moral virtue, arguing that society would crumble without it. So the article goes on to, to stoke even more slander and division. But just to be clear, real Christians are pretty pleased with this promotion. Uh, we hope that Mike Johnson is able to lead the House of Representatives in such a way that honors the Lord and works as a conservation to true American values. And for one last thing on this story, all of you who were up in arms with people like Representative Burchett for the removal of McCarthy, I think you've got some apologizing to do. And I'm talking to you, Fox News. Thank God we've got a few people who are actually principled. Israel's military has advanced deeper into the northern Gaza Strip as they continue their ground invasion Israel tanks, Israeli tanks, and other armored vehicles are moving further into Gaza City, the central location for Hamas. Israeli troops freed an Israeli female soldier this week who was being held hostage, and this is the first hostage rescue since Hamas kidnapped over 220 people a month ago. A total of five hostages have now been freed. Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu also this week, he rejected calls for a ceasefire as airstrikes continued to hit Gaza. Hamas is holding 
over 200 Israeli hostages, including 33 children, holding them, terrorizing them, keeping them as hostages. Every civilized nation should stand with Israel in demanding that these hostages be freed immediately and freed unconditionally. I want to make clear Israel's position regarding a ceasefire. Just as the United States would not agree to a ceasefire after the bombing of Pearl Harbor or after the terrorist attack of 9-11, Israel will not agree to a cessation of hostilities with Hamas after the horrific attacks of October 7th. Calls for a ceasefire are calls for Israel to surrender to Hamas, to surrender to terrorism, to surrender to barbarism. That will not happen. Ladies and gentlemen, the Bible says that there is a time for peace and a time for war. This is a time for war, a war for our common future. Today we draw a line between the forces of civilization and the forces of barbarism. It is a time for everyone to decide where they stand. Israel will stand against the forces of barbarism until victory. I hope and pray that civilized nations everywhere will back this fight. Because Israel's fight is your fight. Because if Hamas and Iran's axis of evil win, you will be their next target. That's why Israel's victory will be your victory. But make no mistake, regardless of who stands with Israel, Israel will fight until this battle is won. And Israel will prevail. May God bless Israel. And may God bless all those who stand with Israel. A couple important points from Bibi there. Um, all of the con congressmen and liberals and, and uh, media members across the planet, but especially right here in the United States, are siding with the terrorists when they call for a ceasefire because there are over 200 people still being held hostage, which includes Israelis and Americans. On that same note, it's hypocritical. When, when America was attacked, we hit back because it was the just thing to do. And justice is an important word with, with tons of, of biblical precedent. I did a, a whole episode on this called Peace Through Victory. And Netanyahu says virtually the same thing I did. Israel must fight and they must win because that is the only path to authentic peace for them and for places like the United States. At least 600 targets were struck by the Israeli military this week, 600. And they even carried out a raid in the West Bank, which is the other Palestinian territory in Israel. And we talked about this last week, but U.S. troops in, in Iraq and Syria were targeted at least 24 times now by Iranian proxy militias in those countries, Iraq and Syria. And the question is, what are we going to do about that? Now, Jake Tapper seems to be uh, waking up to the fact that the company he works for has, has bled viewers and, and ticked people off for seven years or more. So he's starting to, to turn over, it, it seems like he's starting to turn over a new leaf at CNN. He did this interview last week with Musab Hassan Yusuf the son of, the founder of, Hamas, and one of Israel's top informants. Listen to this conversation. Uh, what did you see and experience um, that made you turn on Hamas and, and help Israel? 
You know, since I was a child, I always complained to my father uh, about Hamas uh, abuse of power and uh, their brutality. You know, they, they're very strict and uh, uh, they uh, very religious. Uh, they're fanatics. And uh, but I did not think at some point, you know, they would cause all this global trouble. You know, uh, they, they are, we saw their uh, brutality. Uh, I witnessed their brutality firsthand when I was in prison, when they tortured so many Palestinian uh, people for suspicion uh, of collaborating with Israel. And this is basically when I start questioning Hamas uh, uh, movement. Were you surprised at the failure of Israeli intelligence on October 7th? Uh, Listen, there was a failure, but this is not the time to blame anybody. There, there, uh, there is corruption, there is failure, uh, there is lack of leadership, but this is not the time now to blame anybody. This is the time to get unified. You know, the United States need to give Israel the necessary cover to uproot Hamas. You know, Hamas, Israel is fighting on behalf of America. Israel is fighting on behalf of the Palestinian people. Israel now is fighting on behalf of the free world. This is not a polit political propaganda. I, uh, as an ex-Hamas uh, member, the son of the founder of Hamas organization, and today as an American citizen, I ask the president of the United States to give Israel, the necessary cover, the necessary supply, whatever it takes to uproot Hamas. Otherwise, the next war is going to be deadlier. Strategically, do you think it is wise for the Israeli Defense Forces to, to stage a ground incursion into Gaza to uproot Hamas? Do you think that's a smart thing to do? Well, you know, uh, now it's a war time, unfortunately. And this war, uh, Israel did not start. Hamas started this war. And Hamas, in fact, uh, in this equation, uh, blood for money, they start a war every uh, few years. Whenever they want money, you know, they uh, shed uh, children's blood. Uh, this is their game. And this has to stop. This to ha have to come to an end. And unfortunately... The price is not going to be cheap. Uh, in fact, I feel very sorry for Israel that they have to go into Gaza where there are booby traps all over the place and tunnels all over the place. This is the most complicated mission a modern army uh, uh, has in our, uh, in our modern day. Now, what I suggest, you know, uh, to the Israelis that they wait, they take their time, they collect intelligence. Well, first you were with Hamas and then you were embedded with Hamas on behalf of the Shin Bet. What can you tell us about what motivates these people? What, what are they like? What are the leaders of Hamas like? What do they want? Uh, well, they are a religious movement. And this is what everybody is afraid to say. If Hamas was a political movement, then we can satisfy their political ambition. But Hamas is a religious movement that does not believe in political borders. You know, they want to establish an Islamic state, state on the rubble of the state of Israel. They want to annihilate the Jewish people and the Jewish state. They want to kill everybody who support Israel, then establish an Islamic state. But this is not the end because their uh, ambition is global. They want to establish eventually an Islamic state, a global state. Uh, hence, 
We cannot give Hamas what they want. We cannot give them what they are asking for, whatever it takes. You know, in war, people die. And we need to prepare public. You know, I say that this is an ugly war. Israel did not start it, but Israel will end it. So the United States insists that the aid being provided for civilians in Gaza will not go to Hamas. Do you believe that the aid will not go to Hamas? Do you believe that the aid will only go to the innocent Palestinians? You know, the United States and uh, Europe um, have been very generous with the Palestinian people, but their leadership steal the money all the time. They steal the aid. Uh, so much aid came into Gaza. Hamas used all that aid to build tunnels under the ground. And now look at the chaos they are creating. The aid is great, but not right now. I suggest that we open the border for the Palestinian innocent people, including women, children, and elders, to leave the Gaza Strip or to go into a safe zone. Uh, in the meantime, we have to enforce unbreachable siege on Hamas. Otherwise, we, we are not able to deplete them. They are under the ground. They have hostages. We have to cut power. We cannot give them food. We cannot give them water. And we have to deplete them for long weeks before we can even go in. You know, otherwise, we cannot win this war against this brutal enemy, enemy of humanity. This clip practically says everything. This is an Arab man who used to be a terrorist, who is the son of the founder of the Islamic resistance movement. Yet, he defected against his own father, his own people, and went undercover for the Israelis, and now he's an American citizen. He says, point blank, Hamas are religious fanatics. He said Hamas's goal was to, quote, establish an Islamic state on the rubble of the state of Israel. He described how Hamas has, for years, tortured its own people and has stolen financial aid and resources from its own citizens. In fact, CNN also uh, ran an article this week describing how people in Gaza had broken into United Nations uh, storage facilities to steal basic essentials like flour. Um, and why do you think they're having to do that? Because their own genocidal leadership won't take care of them because they're just pawns in a deadly game. They're not people to them. Masab said, Israel is fighting on behalf of Americans, the Palestinian people, and the free world. As an ex-Hamas member, the son of the founder, and as an American citizen, I ask the President of the United States to give Israel the necessary cover. Notice, he didn't ask for funding and for us to give them lots of money. He just asked for the necessary cover. He described the unfortunate reality of war that there will inevitably be innocent casualties, which we talked about last week, but he suggested plans for preventing civilian casualties. He also said that Israel did not start this war, but they will end it. Incredibly telling and, and insightful. It, it, this was a great interview, Jake. Keep it going, come to the light. But speaking of coming to the light, um, we hope that's what's happening over at Walt Disney Studios as they delayed production of the DEI 
remake of Snow White, or as Michael Knowles calls it, Sand Beige. And <laughs> of course, you can't forget the uh, seven diverse people. And when I say delayed production, that really means they delayed the release of the movie. Now, we've talked about Disney a few times on the show, but conservatives and uh, non-progressive people alike had an issue with some of the red carpet conversations uh, surrounding this movie. And, and we'll talk about that in, in just a moment. But first of all, for those of you who are not conservatives, we, we just have a lot of problems with Disney as of the last uh, five years or so as they've made political ideology their central focus as opposed to entertainment. You know, it's, it's an entertainment company. In fact, I've listed out their woke interjections they've, they've made in their films and streaming projects and TV shows, etc. Um, they'll make characters sexually diverse for no reason other than to just pander to the LGBTQ crowd, or they'll, they'll remake a character as a, a minority ethnicity to pander to you know, the critical theorists and the race warriors. And on the few occasions where such a decision has actually served the purpose of the narrative, it is a terrible story to begin with. But the bottom line is, an exponential number of parents and people are getting tired of the wokeness, which is economically proven. In fact, the last time I talked about Disney, I was showing you that Bob Iger, Disney CEO, said the company would, quote, quiet the noise on the culture war issues. Well, unfortunately, it was too late because his new Snow White said these two things. You said you were bringing a modern edge to it on stage. What do you mean by that? I just mean that it's no longer 1937, and we absolutely wrote a Snow White that she's is... not going to be yeah, saved by the prince. She's not going to be saved by the prince, and she's not going to be dreaming about true love. She's dreaming about becoming the leader she knows she can be, and the leader that her late father told her that she could be if she was fearless, fair, brave, and true. And so it's just a really incredible story for, I think, young people everywhere to see themselves in. I know that you've told me before that your version of Snow White is different, and it's more of a 2022 version of Snow White. What did you mean by that? I mean, you know, the, the original cartoon came out in 1937, and very evidently so. <laughs> um, there is a big focus on her love story um, with a guy who literally stalks her. <laughs> yeah. Weird. Weird. Super weird. So we didn't do that this time. <laughs> so, no, so no prince or a different kind of prince? We have a different approach to what I'm sure a lot of people will assume is a love story just because, like, we cast a guy in the movie. Right. Andrew Burnap, great dude. Yeah. Um, it's, uh, it's one of those things that I think everyone's going to have their assumptions about what it's actually going to be, but uh, it's really not about the love story at all, which is really, really wonderful. And whether or not she finds love along the way is anybody's guess until 2024. Um, all of Andrew's scenes could get cut. Who knows? It's Hollywood, baby. But it's it's one of those That's things. So true, it's yeah. an inner it's an inner journey that she goes on to yeah. find her true self, and she meets a lot of people along the way that that make the journey really incredible. So first of all, the only way this girl seems like a princess is that she acts like a spoiled brat, and Disney princesses have traditionally been excellently feminine. Miss. Zegler is significantly less feminine. Her, her voice is deep. She's dressed oddly. 
Uh, and it's, it's made even more obvious when she's literally standing next to Gal Gadot, who is playing the evil queen. Um, it should be the other way around, for goodness sake. But Zegler is annoying and narcissistic. She's trashing the original film that so many people love, and, and all because it involves a romantic relationship. <laughs> and, and what's wrong with that? Well, because Miss Segler is a ra- radical feminist. That's why she sounds the way she sounds and looks the way she looks and says the things she says. She casually joked about the male lead's uh, character being cut from the film because it's Hollywood, baby. So this has clearly upset the apple cart, pun intended. And Disney has delayed the release of the movie another year. The Daily Mail reports... Disney is delaying the release of its live-action Snow White movie by a year for a major overhaul after star Rachel Zegler sparked anger with a tirade of woke fury. Walt Disney uh, cited the ongoing sag after strike as the major reason behind the decision, but cynics point to upcoming reshoots as proof Disney bosses fear they've made a $330 million turkey. Over the summer, the film received negative attention after it was revealed by the Daily Mail that the seven dwarves were to be replaced by seven magical non-dwarf creatures in an effort to keep the storytelling in line with the 21st century's commitment to political correctness. They were seen on the set of the movie and included a mix of men and women of different ethnicities with a real dwarf among their number, at first, Disney denied these pictures were from the set of the movie, but eventually backtracked. But in a new publicity shot, Snow White is seated and surrounded by seven CGI dwarfs, with the diverse originals nowhere to be seen. So Disney's not just going to, to can the project altogether, and I don't think they're going to recast and, and reshoot Zegler's role. I mean, she's, she is the main character though they've already canned the seven diverse creatures <laughs> uh, to return to the animated dwarfs. So they've now given themselves almost a year and a half to salvage this beloved story. Now, I've got a crazy idea. Why don't they force Zegler to apologize and maybe even cast some actual dwarves to play the live-action parts, or sorry, little people, little people. <laughs> you know, I, I, I just I don't think there's enough little people or dwarf representation in Hollywood. I mean, who cares what Peter Dinklage thinks? Honestly, I hope it bombs. I hope the movie just tanks and people get fired. Sorry. <laughs> well, that's gonna do it for me. What'll it be next time? We'll see. For now. Go and be the salt and light you were meant to be, and we will see you next time on We the Fruit.